Welcome to Positively Leading, the podcast that's all about helping you grow your resilience, leadership and influence. I'm your host, Dr. Sarah Howling, and each week we will be diving into a variety of topics related to leadership, communication and personal growth. From feedback and accountability to diversity and inclusion, we'll explore the skills and strategies that you need to become a more effective leader. So whether you are looking to improve your communication skills, build strong relationships with your team, or simply become more confident in your role, join me on this journey of growth and discovery, and let's get positively leading. Do you ever find yourself saying or thinking, I don't want to ask questions in this meeting because it's going to show how little I know? Or maybe everyone here is so much smarter than me. Or I'll never be good enough to deserve this. Or maybe I can't apply for this job because I don't have all the qualifications or tick all of the things on the person spec. If you answered yes to some or all of these, then you might be experiencing imposter syndrome or at the very least an unhealthy dose of self-doubt. And this is something that's really close to my heart because I've experienced it myself as a leader, a business owner, and even as a mum. And so many brilliant leaders I work with do too. So today we're going to be really diving into imposter syndrome. We're going to cover what it is, where it comes from, and the impact it can have. We're going to break it down into its components, thinking about the inner critic and self-doubt and limiting beliefs. And I'm also going to be sharing three powerful strategies that can help you to overcome or at the very least reduce imposter syndrome. And today, As quite often on these episodes, I'm going to be peppering throughout some coaching questions for you to answer for yourself. Now, as a scientist, a social scientist that is, which my son actually always tells me, he always teases me, it's not a real science, I like to start by getting a shared understanding. Now, the Cambridge English Dictionary defines imposter syndrome as the frequent feeling of not deserving one's success and of being a failure despite sustained record of achievements. And Sheryl Sandberg, the billionaire and former COO of Meta, she talks about imposter syndrome and she sums up quite nicely what it is. She says, I was sure I was about to embarrass myself. Every time I took a test, I was sure it had gone badly. And every time I didn't embarrass myself or even excelled, I believed that I'd fooled everyone yet again. That one day, one day soon, the jig would be up. And this phenomenon of capable people being plagued by self-doubt has a name, the imposter syndrome. Both men and women are susceptible to imposter syndrome, but women tend to experience it more intensely and be more limited by it. I think that definition or that, that quote from Sheryl Sandberg really sums it up quite nicely. So think about this. Does any of this resonate with you? It certainly does with me. Let's think now about what imposter syndrome actually is? Well, there are four core categories of it. Firstly, there's the belief that we got to where we are by fooling other people. That question that we might ask, what if they realise they've made a mistake in hiring me? The second is the fear of being exposed as a fraud. And the questions in our head are, what if they find me out? What if they realise I don't belong here? The third is our inability to link achievements to ourselves and our qualities and our abilities. And we might have that little voice in our head going, oh, it was just luck or it was fluke or it was, you know, it was down to timing or, you know, anyone could do it. And then the fourth element is in time, we turn these thoughts into a block at the deepest level, which is who am I to? 
And I think it's really important to note that many people who have imposter syndrome are actually experts in their field. In fact, some research shows that the more expert you become, the higher you climb in your field, the more you accomplish, the more imposter syndrome can increase rather than reduce. There's a saying, another level, another devil. You know, it doesn't go away by achieving more, which is why it's so important for us to understand it and learn ways to limit and clear it. Now, you might not experience it in all situations and not all the time because there are so many different triggers for it. And all of us are unique human beings. But I'm going to share now three common triggers. So think about these three common triggers. The first is when we stretch a comfort zone. Now, this is like an opportunity to grow. It can sometimes feel like being pushed into the swimming pool at the deep end and not having learned to swim yet. And it could be a presentation or an interview or when challenged in a meeting. So for me, you know, I put off starting this podcast for ages. I procrastinated. I came up with excuses. But at heart of it was a question, unconscious and then conscious. Who am I to? Who would listen to me? So the first then is stretching a comfort zone. The second is a life-changing event. This is another common trigger. So this might be becoming a parent or a new job. Again, for me, after years of living overseas and working my way up in leadership roles in some incredible schools, I returned to the UK and I set up my own company. And oh my goodness, this was just a massive trigger for imposter syndrome for me. Now, the third is criticism. And this can also be a really big trigger, especially if it's public or, you know, even a throwaway comment that can hit a nerve. If we're running even the slightest little bit of imposter syndrome, we can rely on external validation because our own internal like referencing system can be out of whack. And we can take feedback badly. And this is a key reason why feedback training in the workplace is key because it develops ability to not only give, but receive feedback. And may I point you to my special four-part series on feedback, episode 16 to 20, if that may be of interest as well. So three common triggers. And when this happens, the impact can be huge and it can lead to the four P's of imposter syndrome. The first P is procrastination. And this is when we, you know, we're working towards a goal, but actually our actions might keep us treading water instead of making progress. We're keeping busy with stuff, but we're not actually taking action. And we convince ourselves that all the small things do need to be done. And what we're doing there is we're subconsciously using busyness to hide the fact that we're not taking real action because that could lead to us being found out. And that's me, hello, in this podcast. And even now I'm doing similar with writing my first book. A second P is perfectionism. Now, some people are perfectionists in every area of their lives. You know, they won't even go to the shop without looking amazing. And there are others who behave like perfectionists in, other, in some areas, not all. For example, their clothing might not be perfect, but they, they won't give the go-ahead to finish a project until it's triple-checked because they're terrified of making a mistake in that area. Now, while both can be harmful, the latter can mean that we're raising our internal standards to impossibly high levels in an effort not to be found out, not to be found lacking. And then over time, this leads to stress and fear and inadequacy. And, and quite often, you know, we struggle to own our own role in the success that we have. And now I used to have unhealthy levels of perfectionism. And I often say that I'm a recovering perfectionist. 
And I'm constantly giving myself a loving boot that done is better than perfect and that aiming for excellence is better than perfect. But this is something that I'm constantly working on. Now, the next P is people pleasing. And this can be a major trigger for overwhelm in a school environment because it includes or involves taking on tasks that you don't need to in an attempt to show that you belong, to be helpful, to be liked and to be seen as capable. But the downside is that you take on too much, you overgive, and then you often end up underperforming as a result. And then the final P is playing small, because this can stop us from speaking our mind or sharing our opinions. And, and also it can stop us, uh, to t- you know, we can actually turn down the opportunities to shine because we don't see ourselves as being the kind of person who, who is good enough to do that or who has permission to do that. So a mini pause now. We've explored what imposter syndrome is. We've looked at the three common triggers and the four P's of it that can really hold us back. So now check in with yourself with these three questions. What are triggers for imposter syndrome feelings for you? Remember, it's not in every situation all the time. So what are those triggers for you? Which of those four P's are resonating, which, which might be key for you? And the third question, how might they be holding you back? So just if you're in a place where you can jot them down, jot some thoughts down. If you're out running or walking the dog with the podcast, then when you come back home, just make a few notes around that. Now, I hope the questions are helpful to help you to begin to think about you and your experience of imposter syndrome. And I think it's important to share two things at this point. The first is that people who don't have imposter syndrome or best friends, self-doubt and limiting beliefs, these people are not more intelligent, more experienced or more capable than those who do. The only difference between people who experience it and those who don't is that they think different thoughts. So no matter how brilliant we are, we can't be brilliant all the time. Now, no one likes to get things wrong, to fail or to not know an answer or to struggle. You know, we're all human. I always say we're gloriously human, but it's the conversation that we have with ourselves that can make all the difference. Now, almost all of us have got a voice in our heads and it's usually critical and it's turned on almost all of the time. So think of it like a radio that you've got in the background and you might not notice it, you might not tune into it, but that voice comes from our subconscious and it's a running commentary of what we see and what we feel in the world around us. And our brains have just got bombarded with billions of bits of data every day. And what happens is our subconscious mind filters the data. It looks for patterns and it sorts things for us. And it helps us to run most things on automatic. And after a while, it, everything becomes automatic. And this is our subconscious mind running the show. So it can be super helpful. But it's not helpful all the time because if we are saying things to ourselves like, you're not good enough, you can't do this, they'll find me out, all these sort of like, what if I do this based thoughts, then this is known quite often as the inner critic. And I like to call it the inner meanie. (laughs) And it's a voice that can often call all of the shots because when the inner meanie strikes, we think thoughts that come from a place of fear. So those thoughts might be, oh, I can't do this. What if I mess up this presentation? And then this triggers the body's uh, sympathetic nervous system. So it's our flight, fright or freeze response. 
And then our body prepares to defend ourselves from that external threat. And remembering our bodies and our brains, they can't, or our brain and the body, they can't tell the difference between these genuine threats and imaginary threats. So we're, we're already firing off adrenaline and cortisol. And whether our thoughts are about the saber-toothed tiger that's prowling around outside or what's happening in our head, those stories that we're telling ourselves about failure that we're going to have in the presentation, then we worry about these things. Yeah, our brains don't know the difference. And we worry about the awful things that might happen if we're found out to be a fraud. So imposter, imposter syndrome feelings trigger that part of the brain that wants to protect us from shame, from embarrassment and rejection. But the inner meanie, the voice in your head that tells you all of that bad stuff about who you are and what you can achieve, it puts doubt in your mind, it stops you taking action. That inner meanie over time will lead to self-doubt. And that self-doubt is, can I do this? Or I hope I don't mess this up. And then self-doubt usually messes even more with your thoughts about what you can and you can't do. And then this over time leads to limiting beliefs. And those limiting beliefs become much more longer term, much more deeply held. And this is where we think, oh, people like me don't, or I can't do that, or I shouldn't, or I'm not good enough to do that. And then after even more time, or sometimes often from the strength or the intensity of an experience, we get to imposter syndrome. And this is much more about who you think you are, more about who I am rather than what I can do. But the great thing is there are lots of things that we can do. So we're going to move now into the third and the final part of today's episode, which is strategies. Now, there are many, many tools that you can use, but I've selected three of my favorite and super powerful ones to share with you today. And remember, we've seen today that it's our inner critic that feeds that self-doubt, the limiting beliefs and imposter syndrome. And I've spoken about the fact that only difference between those of us who have imposter syndrome feelings and those that don't are that they think different thoughts. So that inner voice, the inner voice they have is less of a meanie and more of a mentor. So that's where our focus is going to be for these three strategies. How do we turn our inner meanie into an inner mentor? Now, the first is a smile file. So whether this is something you keep in your drawer or you might save in an online drive. Now, I have both, by the way, a real folder full of cards that people have sent me and also one on my Google Drive. But keep a folder of your wins, the times when you did really well. And the key to making this work is to be really specific about the role that you played in the success. It's not about your team wins. It's about what you did to help create that outcome. You can also include in there any thank yous or emails of praise that you've been sent. But keep adding to it, right? Don't just do it once and then never go back to it. Keep adding to it because then your inner meanie can't dismiss it as being out of date. So remember that one of the symptoms of imposter syndrome is that our internal reference system, the one that's sort of like responsible for assessing and evaluating our performance, it can get out of balance and become critical. So when we were both the creation and the updating of the smile file, it's an important way to help redress that balance. So it can boost your confidence right when you need it most. And, and you know, if you're thinking, who am I to, or what if they find out I'm not good enough, you can pull it out and you can read through it and you can just turn down the volume a little bit on that inner meanie and turn up the volume on your inner mentor. Now, the second one is shifting from judging 
to evaluating. And this is something that you can do over time. Now, first of all, let's think about the difference between evaluating and judging, because this is often mixed up. Judging is when we we mix up evaluating our behavior with our sense of identity. So I was rubbish in the presentation. I was so nervous, I couldn't even make eye contact properly. Yeah, that's judging. Whereas when you evaluate, you're showing discernment and it's linking to behavior. So here it might be, or in the presentation, I spoke clearly and I put my ideas across and I answered the questions well. I can improve next time by making more eye contact. So an easy way to think about this is I do versus I am. And we all judge, right? It's, it's, it's just a, a human trait. But the trick is to notice when you do and then not get stuck in it. So one way that I use to move from judgment to evaluating is by using the question, what can I learn from this? And a great way of practicing this, if it seems a little bit hard for yourself, is to judge others less first. So just notice, notice when you say to yourself, ooh, nice pair of shoes, for example, then just think to yourself, hmm, that wasn't particularly a, a great thing for me to say. So now I'm going to reflect and I'm just going to you know, stop doing that. I'm going to stop judging others. And it doesn't matter really when you're judging others or yourself. Your brain doesn't care who you're talking about. It just builds the new neural pathways from judgment to evaluation. So as I say, the easiest way to stop doing this for yourself is to stop judging and criticizing others. So just be on the lookout for when you do. Notice it as a judging thought and then swap it for three things that you appreciate about yourself or another person. And then the final thing today, the final strategy is from inner meanie to inner mentor. And it's really just capturing or noticing your thoughts and changing that dialogue. So there are three steps to this. First is just notice your thoughts. So tune into that inner meanie monologue. For example, when you hear yourself saying things like, I'm over my head, this can bring us into imposter syndrome and we can get anxious and overprepared and we could even get panicked. Or we might have, you know, I'm not good enough. I don't think I can say what I want to in this meeting. And this means we can get embarrassed or we can withdraw or we can not say the things that we want to say. So just tune in. First step, tune into your inner meanie monologue. And the next thing then is to, when you've tuned into it, is just challenge those thoughts. Take some deep belly breaths first to help calm the nervous system. And then thank your inner meanie for looking out for you. Because remember, it wants to keep you safe. But then ask yourself, is this really true? Which elements of this story that I'm telling myself are actually true? And how is it not true? Okay. And then complete the sentences. This is not true because. Or another way of seeing this is blank. So you've got two things here. Notice your thoughts and then challenge those thoughts. Ask yourself, is it true? And then the final step is to reframe and respond. So once you've challenged that story by looking out for you know, other explanations and you found an alternative story that has you feeling more confident and empowered, it's time to take action. So based on your new and empowering story, what's the next best step for you? So that's how you go from inner meanie to inner mentor. Notice your thoughts, challenge your thoughts, and then reframe and respond. And it takes a little bit of practice. It's not going to happen straight away. But the more you practice this, the better and the faster you will become at being able to challenge those um, thoughts and 
conversations that you have in your head and turn your inner meaning into an inner mentor. So that's it for today, folks. We have covered what imposter syndrome is, its triggers and its challenges, and then actually what happens, what's the impact of it, and then those three powerful strategies that you can try out straight away. So if we think about this in terms of coaching, what's your biggest takeaway from today? And then what's one strategy that you can use and you can implement straight away? Now, I'm going to put a really great book in the show notes, because if you want to know more about imposter syndrome, I'm going to point you to the book by Claire Yosa, and it's called Ditching Imposter Syndrome. She's done so much research in this area and her book and her podcast and also her resources are super, super helpful. So you might want to check out that information in the show notes, too. So send me a message or you know, maybe tag me on LinkedIn or, or Instagram and just let me know what it is you're taking away and how you are implementing the strategies from today as well. So until next time, keep on positively leading. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Positively Leading. I hope you found it helpful in your journey to becoming a better leader. And if you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your feedback not only helps me grow, but also helps others discover the podcast and join our community of positive leaders. And if you'd like to work with me, you can head over to sarahowling.com to find out how. Thanks once again for listening. And remember, the world needs more brilliant leaders just like you. So keep on positively leading.